the morning when the world was begun I danced in the moon and the stars and the sun I came down from heaven and I danced around the earth In Bethlehem I had my birth Dance, dance, wherever you may be I am the Lord of the density And I'll lead you all wherever you may be And I'll lead you all in the density I danced for the scribes and the Pharisees They would not dance, they wouldn't follow me I danced for the fishermen, for James and John Dance with me and the dance goes on. Dance, dance, wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance city, and I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance city. I danced on the Friday and I cured the lame. The holy people thought it was a shame. They tripped and they hung me on high and left me there on the cross to die. Dance, dance, dance wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance city, and I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance city. Cut me down, but I left up high. I am the light that'll never, never die. I'll live in you if you live in me. I am the Lord of the density. Dance, dance, wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the density, and I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the density. Danced on the Sunday when the sun turned black It's hard to dance with the devil on your back They bury my body but I'm gone But I am the dance and I still go on Dance, dance, wherever you may be I am the Lord of the dance and me And I'll lead you all wherever you may be And I'll lead you all in the dance and me They cut me down but I left up high I am the light that'll never, never die I'll live in you if you live in me I am the Lord of the dance and me Dance, dance, wherever you may be, I am the Lord of the dance and me, and I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance and me. Dance, dance, wherever you may be, I am the Lord of the dance and me, and I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance and me. Good morning and welcome everyone. It's good to see you here. Um, this morning's convocation is going to be a real mix of music and of storytelling. And there's been a lot of storytelling going on at Goshen lately, uh, which I really appreciate and, and want to honor. Um, so I think of the stories that were told around the Adelphian Fountain after the students walked out. I think of the stories that were told in this space Saturday night as part of the Goshen monologues. I want to thank all the people who are telling their stories. Um, at Goshen College, about Goshen College, as part of our community these days. So this morning we're gonna hear a few more stories interspersed with music, and I welcome you to that. Um, consider this a celebration of our community in story form, um, of the coming of spring, and of our solar panel project. So we hope to weave all that together and end with some lemonade. Um, I think the group has one more song for us. Bye. 
on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. Keep on the sunny side of life. It'll help us every day. It'll brighten all the way if you keep on the sunny side of Crushing hope that we cherish so dear The cloud and storm will in time pass away And the sun again will shine bright and clear Keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side Keep on the sunny side of life It'll help us every day, it'll brighten all the way Sunny side of life. Let us greet with a song of hope each day. Though the moment be cloudy or fair, and let us trust in our Savior always. He keeps us everyone in His care. Keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side. Keep on the sunny side of life. It'll help us every day. It'll brighten all the way. If we keep on the sunny side of life. If we keep on the sunny side of Good morning, I'm Dwayne Stolzfus, uh, Professor of Communication here and Director of the Corps, which includes uh, helping to coordinate the Convo and Chapel services. And it's my pleasure this morning to pay tribute to four people who have set the standard for attendance at uh, Convocation and Chapel this semester. When I call their names, I'd, I'd like to ask them to come forward. If the past is any indication, they are here. So let's find out. If, if you would, join me up here. Elizabeth Breckbill, Amber Tate, Patrick Webb, and Rick Smith. Yes. Three for three, four for four. As you may know, the requirement is, uh, that threshold is 12 um, chapels and convos in the course of the semester. But these folks, um, the three students, Elizabeth, Amber, and Patrick have far exceeded that. As of today, they're at 19 each. We've got a three-way tie for first place. There are five people following them, but um, uh, along with the three students, uh, Rick Smith, who runs the print shop here at Goshen College and has faithfully attended, I think, uh, virtually every, every event and service here this semester. So we have a little uh, giveaway from the nut shop for each of the three, and as I give them their, um, their uh, chocolate boxes, I would ask you one more time to uh, acknowledge them with uh, applause. Thanks.
want to give a little bit of an introduction to what comes next. Um, some of you perhaps were at the inauguration, but for those of you who weren't, um, there are five students that will be presenting a commissioned piece of work that expresses stories of three Goshen students and, and their lives from different periods of Goshen's history. And those stories will be presented in two parts. So you'll hear the beginning. And then before you hear the end, you're going to hear a story from Glenn Gilbert and a story from me. And then they will finish. After that, we have another musical group. And I will end um, by reading a poem and inviting you out in the hallway for some refreshments. Um, so that's what to expect, and, and that's how you'll know when it's over. Uh, <laughs> so welcome to the students presenting the Goshen Voices. On this auspicious occasion, marking the inauguration of Rebecca Stoltzfus, the 18th president of Goshen College, one might ask, what is Goshen College? You don't know what Goshen College is, and there goes your scholarship. Goshen, Goshen College is all the people who ever studied, taught, or worked here. It's what they believed, what they lived, what they asked, what they did. We offer the stories of three of these people, people from three different generations of students, teachers, and staff. We offer these stories as a taste of what is uniquely, distinctively Goshen College. Lois Gundon, class of 1936. Ramsey Ferran, class of 1968. Arairi Perez, class of 2004. My name is Lois Gundon. I was born on a farm near Flanagan, Illinois in 1915. In 1929, my family packed up our belongings and moved to Goshen. Why would Lois's family leave their farm? A farm seems like a smart place to weather the Great Depression. My parents wanted all of their children to attend Goshen College. They figured we had a better chance if we moved closer. It was a big risk, a big sacrifice too. In 1936, I graduated from Goshen with a degree in French and English. I found a job teaching in a one-room school back in Illinois. But Goshen College needed a French teacher, so I went to Peabody College and earned a master's in French. Later, I taught at Goshen College. Then, in 1941, the Mennonite Central Committee sent me to France to assume leadership of a children's home for refugees. Wait, wait, wait. France, in 1941. That's the middle of World War II. For me, the big question was, had Goshen College prepared me for what I was about to face? Did I, Lois Gundon, barely 26 years old, have what it would take for this assignment? Had Goshen College nurtured the faith that I would need to protect orphan children in the middle of a war? My name is Ramzi Furan. I was born in Jerusalem in 1946 into a Greek Orthodox family. My father owned two thriving businesses. One evening in the spring of 1948, Israeli commandos came into our house. Promising that we could return the next day, they told us to flee the city. The next day never came. They never let us return. My father lost all of his properties and businesses overnight. We became refugees. 
During the next several years, our lives intersected at various points with Mennonites. When I was seven years old, the Mennonites came to my school to distribute Christmas bundles. Inside my bundle, I found soap, a toothbrush, school supplies, and a fire truck with a movable Mickey Mouse head. The truck was instantly my most cherished possession. In 1965, through the help of MCC workers in Jordan, I accepted a scholarship to attend Goshen College. But when I arrived at Goshen College, I was in turmoil. I was rebelling against the Greek Orthodox Church. My Muslim friends ridiculed me for following a religion based on Jewish tradition. Worst of all, I was full of anger. How could a loving God tolerate what the Jews had done to my family? My name is Areli Perez. I was born in Apan, Hidalgo, in Mexico. When I was eight years old, my father left our family in an attempt to improve life for me and my brothers. When my father left, we didn't know if we would ever see him again. But my dad made it across the border and managed to find work. It took three years, but my family finally reunited in Goshen. My first day at Goshen Middle School was a major shock. I didn't understand anything the teachers said. I felt stupid, isolated, and ashamed. School was a long uphill battle for me, but I loved learning and persevered. All during my teenage years, I knew that the odds were against me. After high school, the only place for me would be working in a factory with no way to continue my education. So it was no less than a miracle from God that I received a four-year scholarship to Goshen College. When I heard the news, most of my tears were from joy, but a few were from trepidation. What will happen when I tell the college I don't have documents? What if I get deported during my studies? No one in my family had ever gone to college. I had no idea what it would take to survive. Could the professors and other students meet me halfway and give this daughter of immigrants a chance to contribute? Three people, three stories. Lois Gundin. Ramsey Ferran. Areli Perez. Three windows into what is uniquely, distinctively, Goshen College. So yeah, Ben, one might ask, what exactly is Goshen College? <laughs> As you began by introducing us to three amazing voices, let me introduce you to a few more. While the reason I was asked to speak this morning was to tell you about the solar electric project, what I really want to do is introduce you to three of the people that helped make this possible. First, Leah Thill chemistry major from the class of 2012. Many of you know her sister, Hannah, and I remember Leah as an engaged environmental activist as well as a successful cross-country runner. She would push me hard to promote recycling and composting on campus. After graduation, Leah continued her education and graduate studies, shifting her major to public affairs and environmental science, working in the Office of Sustainability at Indiana University. I lost track of Leah, until a little over a year ago when she returned to this area, now working for the U.S. Department of Energy with the assignment to coach three communities to become solar-friendly cities. And Goshen was one of those communities. Smart, confident, and extremely well-informed on all the social and technical challenges and benefits of developing a solar infrastructure, she quickly whipped the city into shape 
and help Goshen receive the gold standing in the Soul Smart Initiative, the first city in the state to do so, to help pave the way for the Solarize Goshen Initiative. By the end of 2017, she'd persuaded almost 100 households, businesses, and churches in northern Indiana, the majority of them in Goshen, to install solar systems. Currently, cloudy old Goshen has more solar watts per capita than Sacramento, Los Angeles, Salt Lake City, San Antonio, Denver, or San Francisco. After finishing her assignment with the Department of Energy, Leah hired on as the environmental planner for the Michiana Area Council of Governments in South Bend. Leah recently told me that she was inspired by the leadership among Goshen faculty and staff as early solar adapters in the past five years. She believed that their example laid the foundation for the success of the solar movement in Goshen in 2017. I would say her wisdom and enthusiasm moved this community ahead. She is indeed one of those marvelous Goshen College voices. David Lapp, history major from the class of 2011, David is another passionate environmentalist. For the last several years, he, along with Lucas Gottschall, class of 2013, have been quietly persuading members of this congregation, the College Mennonite Church, to invest in solar energy. Over a period of several months, he made his case in every Sunday school class in the church. At the same time, he was in my office, asking me questions, prodding and appealing, telling me why it was time for Goshen College to install solar panels. He would try every angle. He would make the economic argument that this was one of the most sound financial investments we could make. And he would talk about the urgency of climate crisis. We just can't wait. He would even take off his gloves and hit hard where it hurt the most. EMU has solar panels, you know. <laughs> so back and forth he would go between Goshen uh, College and College Mennonite Church, advocating and persuading for going solar. David couldn't be here this morning, but he asked me to say that he really hopes that Goshen College students learn that electric power is a huge justice issue with implications tied to all the other issues we care about. We have to do everything we can to fight global warming. Climate change is an unjust burden that we North Americans have largely imposed on the global South, particularly Southeast Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, and Equatorial Latin America. He hopes that many will follow Leah into jobs making the transitions to renewable energies and to follow him as an advocate wherever you end up working. After one of the College Mennonite Church Sunday School classes, another voice from Goshen College, Gordon Yoder, approached David, expressed appreciation for what he was trying to do, and said he'd like to pledge $10,000 for the cause. Gordon knew well the challenges and joys of raising money for good causes since he worked as a fundraiser and development officer for Goshen College for many years himself. This was a big boost to the campaign, and when a few weeks later Gordon returned to David and asked if it would be helpful if he put in another 40000 this gift, along with the generous contributions of many others in the church, put them in a position to assemble a sizable solar project. Soon the congregation picked up the dialogue with the college, and since the church building is powered through the campus electrical system and the two groups jointly own and maintain this facility, it became clear that if the two groups could share equally in the funding of the project, we could together put a system large enough to provide all the electricity to power this building, and since the building utilities are jointly funded, both the college and the congregation would share in the savings. 
Gordon, who is now in his 90s, recently told me that this was one of the most fun things he's done in all his life, which given the many exciting things he's done throughout his career is no small statement. He's also not able to be here this morning since he's on dialysis and, treatments, and has treatments three times a week. Last week, as the solar panels were being installed, I invited him to join me in a lift that would peek over the top of the rec fitness roof to look at what was happening up there. He was thrilled. His excitement is contagious, and he would want all of us to understand how fun it is to invest in causes that do the greater good. So these are the three voices that leave, live and breathe Goshen College. Leah Thill, educator and organizer, the teacher. David Jost, the advocate and persuader, the preacher. And Gordon Yoder, the enabler and the generous giver, the outreacher. And today, in fact, even this moment as I stand here, the very last of the 924 solar panels are being installed on the Rec Fitness Center roof. By graduation weekend, the project will be complete and we fully expect to be harnessing the sun for the betterment of Goshen College, College Mennonite Church, and the environment. This system is 277 kilowatts strong. It will feed directly into the campus grid, providing enough energy to offset all of the electricity used in this building. Though it costs about $400,000, it will generate about $40,000 a year in fossil fuel free electricity pay for itself in about a decade, and almost likely continue to provide clean electricity for another 15 or more years. I hope you catch the excitement of this project has generated, and I also hope you join the trio of these three Goshen College voices in reaching out for the greater good. This exactly is Goshen College. Thank you. What a great story or set of stories. Um, mine is a little bit more personal. Um, so I think there's going to be a slide coming up here. Um, I think I was made to be a scientist. And this is our house in Pennsylvania where I did my earliest scientific work. And I'm the girl in the middle. There are two experiments that I did that I remember with fondness. The first dealt with razor blades. Like all good parents, mine told me in urgent and sober tones that razor blades were very dangerous. They were so sharp that they could cut you terribly in an instant. I wanted to understand this. I recall deliberately taking a razor blade from my parents' bathroom into my bedroom and crouching between my wall and my bed and experimenting with the blade to find out whether this innocent-looking thing would really cut me. I remember mustering up the courage to stroke the blade across my finger. I remember the sensation, which was disturbing, but not too painful, and the blood that welled up out of the clean cut. Oh, so that's what they mean. I remember my realization that razor blades will cut me, but that I didn't need to be afraid of them. I had to make it cut me. It didn't jump out of the medicine cabinet on its own. As strange as it sounds, this was a comforting conclusion. The second experiment that I did in that house had to do with electricity. 
This was in the age of mother's hairpins. Hairpins, the old-fashioned kind, were a common household item. And along with hairpins for children comes the message, never stick a hairpin in an electric socket. Hmm, why? So this experiment definitely had a more frightening result. I'm proud to say that I performed it beautifully um, using one of those large U-shaped hairpins and I stuck both ends into the two slots of the socket. So this experiment did not remain hidden. It became a family affair with screaming a scar on my hand, which I'm happy to show you, and a permanent burn in the hardwood floor at the top of the landing of the stairs. So one could draw a number of conclusions from these stories, but these are the conclusions that I want to make today, that science is most exciting when the experimenter asks questions that are really meaningful. And my parents had clearly led me to believe that these were important things to understand and critical to my well-being. Secondly, that it's a good idea to question the knowledge that you receive from others. In this case, I have to say that my parents were quite reliable. Um, but if you don't understand where knowledge comes from, find out. And the third is, there's no better way to learn than to engage with reality directly. If it takes a shock to make you understand the truth, it might be worth it. So eventually, I did grow up, I didn't kill myself, and I attended Goshen College, initially as a music major. And much as I loved music, and my artistic set of friends, and I still do, I discerned that I was relatively better at science and math than I was as a pianist, and eventually I switched my major from music to chemistry. After graduating, I took a job as a research chemist in a startup bi biotechnology company in Elkhart. And it was a good job that um, deepened my scientific skills. But I was answering questions that other people set for me, and I became bored with that. One of the best insights of my life was that studying international nutrition was a way to apply chemistry to people, and it was also a way to weave back into my life the thread of international living and learning that I had tasted at Goshen College. I was told that Cornell University had the best program in international nutrition, and so I applied. And to my enormous amazement, I was admitted. My professors assumed that I could do things that I would not have believed that I could do. But who was I to tell them that I could not do that? Uh, maybe they were right. So I decided to act under the pretense that they were right. At Cornell, I learned that vitamin A deficiency is one of the most common nutrient deficiencies globally. And for my master's thesis, I conducted a set of experiments to find out whether vitamin A deficiency increased vulnerability to malaria. I used a rat model of malaria and studied the course of infection in rats that were fed healthy diets or diets with low or very low levels of vitamin A. My hypothesis was that vitamin A deficient rats would be more susceptible to the parasite. It's quite a natural thing for scientists to have strong feelings about their hypotheses. If your interesting hypotheses prove true, you look good as a scientist, and you're more likely to have your work published. One afternoon, as I was leaving the experimental animal facility, I found myself fervently hoping, even praying, that the vitamin A deficient rats would have more parasites and get sicker. 
And I remember thinking about what I was thinking and exactly the stretch of sidewalk that I was walking on when I realized how absurd that was. I mean, good grief. Did I really think that my experiments were about proving my small and egotistical wishes and desires? And if they were, what good was that for people in the world actually suffering from vitamin A deficiency and malaria? It was one of those moments where I realized um, what my work was about. Reality, matter, life, and how they behave are magnificent and sacred, and my role as a scientist is to humbly inquire and observe and experiment and learn. In the end, my hypothesis was true, and there were surprising results as well. My experiments showed a classical synergy between malaria and vitamin A deficiency. Vitamin A deficiency made the malaria more deadly, and unexpectedly, malaria made the vitamin A deficiency much worse. I did that work 31 years ago this summer. Over a career in international nutrition, some of my hypotheses have been true. Others have been stunningly wrong. I have contributed to national and international health programs and policies. And at other times, my findings unraveled theories, including my own, and created a great deal of controversy. But my story is not yet finished. There are an abundance of meaningful questions that I would still like to answer. I wonder what questions are meaningful to you. Prepare to be shocked. Learn from your scars, both internal and external, and don't be ashamed of them. And remember that what is true matters much more than what you would like to be true. people, all the people who have studied, taught, and worked here, what they believe, what they live, what they ask, and what they do. Lois Gundin, Ramsey Ferran, Areli Perez. My, My name, name is, is Lois Gundin. In France, I was utterly homesick. I often cried myself to sleep. For comfort, I had the Goshen College calendar by my bed so I could know what was happening at home. By October of 1941, I was in charge of the MCC Children's Home in Cane Plage, near the internment camp of Rivesol. We sheltered children from the internment camp when we learned they were destined for Auschwitz. One morning, a local policeman arrived to arrest three of the Jewish children, Bertha, Claire, and Jacob Landesman. The policeman ordered me to pack up the children's belongings. I told him that, unfortunately, the children's clothes were in the wash and he would have to come back another time. Before the policeman returned, other people were able to obtain the paperwork necessary for the children to leave. Later, I refused an offer by the resistance to leave France, avoiding German detention. As a pacifist, I wasn't willing to risk, those, to risk harm for those trying to help me. So, in 1943, I was detained, 
and held as a prisoner of war in Baden-Baden, Germany. We were held under Gestapo guard. A year later, I was released in a prisoner exchange and went back to teaching at Goshen College. In 2013, Yad Vashem recognized Lois as righteous among the nations, an honor to convey the gratitude of Jewish people to Gentiles who risked their lives to save Jews during the Holocaust. My, my name, name is, is Ramsey Furan. During my first year at Goshen College, I was still trying to adjust to having left my family and country when I lost my right arm while working in one of the Goshen factories. I was devastated, afraid, and not sure how I could go on. Then came the June 1967 Middle East War. The bulk of the fighting was in the region where my family was living. For nearly a month, I had no contact with my family, no idea if they were dead or alive. But in the midst of fear, pain, and anger, I found healing. College friends fed me and prayed with me. College church members provided comfort. In my Christian faith class, Ed Stoltzfus led a prayer for my family's safety. The college community adopted me and took me in as one of their own. Gradually, through my classes and conversations with mentors, I was able to reconcile the disparity between a loving God and the, the events in the Middle East. After graduating from Goshen College, I turned my love of learning into a love of teaching. I taught chemistry in Metamora, Illinois for 10 years and Chicago for 35. Ramsey has received outstanding teacher awards from the U.S. Presidential Scholar Program, the Illinois State Board of Education, from the University of Chicago 13 times, from MIT three times, and from Caltech twice. I experience teaching as a vocation rooted in love and expectation. It is the opportunity to challenge and be challenged, to love and be loved. My, my name, name is Eddie Perez. All during my years at Goshen College, I had the sense that God was taking care of me, that I was in the flow of a higher power. Even during the times when I was afraid that I would be deported to Mexico, I had a sense that what I was learning was mine. Not even agents of ICE could take it away from me. As a high school student, I met Goshen's professor, Vicki Kirkton. Her passion and kindness inspired me to major in nursing. At first, I worried about getting the state-required documents to practice nursing. Without them, I couldn't even take the board exams. But the longer I was at Goshen College, the stronger my faith in God's goodness became, the more rooted and grounded in God's love I became. After graduation, God opened up a way for me to give back to the community that had welcomed me. Maple City Healthcare Center was able to use my gifts. Half of Maple City's patients speak Spanish, so my language and culture were assets as I worked to help improve the health of our neighbors. In 2016, I was approved for DACA and later obtained a green card. When I finally knew that I, my two children, and my husband were safe from deportation, it was like a 10-ton weight lifted from my shoulders. This past October, 13 years after graduating from Goshen College, I was finally able to take my state nursing exam. Fully licensed, I now work as a care team coordinator for Maple City. I look forward to helping my Goshen neighbors. I am Lois Gundin. I am Ramsey Faran. I am Aureli Perez. We are Goshen College. I am Olivia Copsey. I am Ben Reimer. I am Lana Smucker. I am Tobias Garcia. I am Aaliyah Bird, and together 
We are Goshen College. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, what a of people passing by. I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies especially thank all of the student um, speakers and musicians that have participated. It's such a busy time of year, and I know that you have many things on your minds, and um, your talents are a gift to us this morning. I also just want to name Don Yost as the writer and creator of the Goshen Voices piece. I don't know whether Don is here this morning, but Don 
is part of the Goshen College and College Mennonite Church community. So outside, in the hallways, are lemonade and cookies. But I want to end with reading this short poem by Mary Oliver called Why I Wake Early. Hello, sun in my face. Hello, you who made the morning and spread it over the fields and into the faces of the tulips and the nodding morning glories and into the windows of even the miserable and the crotchety. Best preacher that ever was, dear star, that just happens to be where you are in the universe to keep us from ever darkness, to ease us with warming touch, to hold us in the great hands of light. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Watch now how I start the day in happiness, in kindness. Thank you and have a good morning. i